So tonight, our sermon title is called Influencers. And I think that each and every one of us in this room can raise our hands and say, yes, I have been influenced at one point or another in my lifetime. And you could probably say you've been influenced within the last 30 seconds. It happens all of the time. We are being influenced by outside sources, people around us to make the choices that we make, to wear the things that we wear, to say the things that we say. And another huge part of being influenced is something that we talk about around here a lot, and that is social media. YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all of these different apps are absolutely something that we can point to and say, this is something that I am being influenced on by a, on a regular basis. And I'm not going to stand up here and act like I am different. I am constantly influenced by these things as well. In fact, it's a little bit embarrassing how influenced I am by them because I, if, if I'm honest, I would tell you that I watch makeup tutorials on YouTube and I realize that that's kind of like outdated now and that that's like so two years ago but I still watch them I still think they're fun guys you can pretend I'm talking about sports or truck tutorials I don't know what you guys watch but let's just pretend that you know what I'm saying and if I'm honest if you looked at my Instagram and you saw the people that I'd follow I know a lot of them but I also don't know like maybe 10% of those people because they're influencers they're people that I started following because they have this wide fan base and these were they're women that are like not at all my age not at all in my same situation and yet I am so infatuated with their lives they post these stories of their beautiful house and their beautiful lives and I just watch them for some reason I really care what this woman eats for breakfast that morning do I know why no but apparently I really really enjoy watching her and I really really care when she tries out like this new skincare product and I don't know why I do but I do and then sometimes she'll even tell me to buy something and I'll be like okay and then I buy it it's really upsetting when I look at how influenced I am by this person that I have never met before and I'm actually a little bit ashamed and maybe you don't can't relate in that fact maybe you don't follow the influencers on Instagram but I think that we can all admit to being subject to influence with the people that are around us and one of the biggest influencers I think right now is TikTok. Now, when I was your guys' age, so many years ago, I feel so old when I say that, um, TikTok was not around. We had Instagram, we had all the other stuff. And I am resistant to TikTok because of many reasons, but one of them is that you guys have told me that TikTok has now made it uncool to have side parts in our hair and skinny jeans. I have a side part and I'm wearing skinny jeans right now in front of you without even realizing it. And when I heard that this was uncool, I was upset, I, I'm so upset, I felt personally attacked and victimized by this app and I very much felt and related to this TikTok right here about this matter. So I just watched a video about how millennials never got over their skinny jean phase. I'm sorry, but the generation that ate Tide Pods does not get a say in where the part in my hair goes or what pants I wear. Thanks. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, yes. Why? Why do you get to tell me what I wear? Why do you get to tell me what my hair looks like? But this is our life every single day. We are being influenced by things whether we realize it or not. Even if you are strong-willed, even if you are independent or not even on TikTok or social media at all, maybe you're even 80 years old, it doesn't matter. You are somehow, someway getting influenced by the things that are around you. And that's why it's so important to pay attention to these things, to keep track 
of what is going on in our lives. And Romans 12, 2 actually says this in the Bible. The Bible is so relevant. It knows right where we are. So we'll get that verse up there. And it says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this verse says, please don't let the word the world impact you. Please don't let it influence you too far because once you begin to allow it, you are then turning your back from God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We don't want that. We want God's will for us to be done to what he created us to do to end up taking place. But if we follow this world and allow it to influence us, we are walking a very, very, very dangerous line. Another translation of the same verse was Romans 12, 2a says, don't be squeezed into the mold of this present age. I love how it says that because if you hear the word squeezed, it doesn't exactly have a positive connotation, but instead a negative. It's uncomfortable, right? To be squeezed into something, it's unnatural. It's not supposed to happen. And so this verse says that the world squeezes us into a mold. Have you ever noticed being squeezed into something? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but it is influencing us. Tons of things, teachers, parents, social media, politics, social justice issues, music, movies, health departments, you name it, it is influencing you and the choices that you make. It's trying to squeeze you into this mold. And some of these examples are good, like teachers and parents, coaches, usually they can have a very good influence on you, but others, are not so good. And we notice that as they begin to squeeze us, we are becoming something that God never intended us to be. We have to be so careful. So I have this little um, Play-Doh dude right here. Now, um, I didn't make this, but uh, it's very artistic and beautiful as you can see. And so let's say that this little Play-Doh guy, this is us. This is each and every one of us. And so let's just say we're just living our best lives here. Everything's just going so well. It's sunshine and rainbows. And all of a sudden, bam, you get hit by a truck. No, I'm just kidding. You didn't get hit by a truck. But something happens, right, where you're getting influenced by something. And so you're watching something on TV. Maybe you're watching something on social media. Maybe your friend says something that's like, hey, you shouldn't wear that. Hey, you shouldn't dress like that. You shouldn't look like that. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't participate in that. You shouldn't allow that to take up your time. So every single thing in the world is influencing us. And then when you look at yourself, you don't really look the same anymore, do you? You're jumbled up. You're messed up. You look nothing like you did before. I hate the smell of Play-Doh. That's what happens. Oh. That's also what happens, okay? You just nosedive off a cliff when you let things influence you that should not be allowed to influence us. We have to be so careful because eventually we can go from who we are, who we were created to be, to whatever that mess on the floor is. That's why uh, Romans 12, 2 is so adamant that saying, don't be conformed, don't be squeezed into the mold of the world because you were already perfectly molded by him your creator. The world wants to squeeze out the individuality of it. It wants to squeeze out the uniqueness of us, the purpose of us, the differences in us until we are all cookie cutter and fit and the same exact mold. But our our savior is saying, hey, no, 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 no. I created you to be exactly the way 
that you are. And so when we look at this word influencers, when we think about it, there's some negative connotations, there's some positive connotations, but what I want us to take away from this tonight is how we can be influenced in a positive way and how we then, as people who are being positively influenced, go out in the world and influence others in also a positive way. But the first thing that we need to do in order to do this well is make sure that we are being influenced well. We need to be able to recognize that influence has to be taken account of. It has to be watched very, very carefully. And when it comes to influence, you have to be on offense rather than defense. And what I mean by this is that you have to be proactive with influence. You can't be passive. You can't just step away and say, I'm gonna let whatever wants to have influence on me have influence on me. But instead, you have to be proactive. And you have to say, if I am allowing these things to influence me, odds are I'm going to keep going down a path that I don't wanna be on. And if I am not passionately going on the offense and influencing other people, odds are I am probably being influenced myself. And so what we have to be careful of is look at the fruit of who it is or what it is that is trying to influence you. What is the fruit of it? What is its goal and does it match up with scripture? Is it a godly character in your life? Is it honoring God? Or is it bringing down your average? Is it molding you into something that you were never intended to be? So maybe it is that YouTuber that you're watching a lot, but you realize that their lifestyle and their choices don't really line up with yours at all. And so maybe it's that same YouTuber that also makes you feel bad about yourself or like you don't look the right way or you don't talk the right way. That's probably an influence that God never designed to be put in our lives. Maybe it's that person that you hang out with on the football team where you guys have a really great time, but then you realize that they do not share the same morals as you. And as you hang out with them more and more, you are slipping more and more from those morals as they pull you down further and further. Influence is so important because it's constantly happening. Whether we want it to or not, whether we realize it or not, you are being influenced and you are probably influencing other people. That's why we have to look at the fruit of where it's coming from. You can and you should control those influences around you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you have to cut out every single person in your life who has ever sinned before because we've all sinned a billion times. That's not realistic. But what I am saying is that you know the people in your life who are doing good for you. You know the people in your life that are causing you and helping you to make good decisions. And you also know the people in your life that are causing you to do the opposite. God can give you wisdom in those areas. So whether it's your best friend who's pulling you down or even a family member who you're supposed to be able to trust, you can look at the fruit of that relationship and say, this was designed for me to have influence on me or this was not at all. We have to recognize that sometimes people aren't meant to be able to have a say in our lives. We need to be aware of who we are letting influence us and being intentional not to be changed from followers of Jesus into worldly people. And it really matters. It matters that if we're allowing the world to squeeze us and conform us and reshape us into something different than God made us to be. Because God said, we are called to lead. We're called to be his representatives on this planet. And so we're supposed to be the ones that are influencing, not the ones who are influenced. Our job is not to get out there and to try to become famous. 
In fact, we're supposed to make Jesus famous. Our job is not to get more followers for ourselves, but our job is to get more followers for Christ. And the way that we do that is we say, you know what? I'm not going to be influenced and shaped and conformed into the image, into a copycat of someone else, but I'm going to allow God to shape me so that I can influence others and that I can bring more followers to Christ. And it all begins with this investment. We have to be willing to lead, and we don't get leadership influence unless we invest. So here's the mathematical equation, okay? I'm not a math genius, so it's very simple. Investment equals influence. Investment equals influence. When we invest in the lives of somebody else, then we begin to have influence that will eventually turn into leadership. This was illustrated perfect for me when I was a 15-year-old kid. I just accepted Christ, and I was growing up in this church, and I knew almost nothing about the Bible, very little about God, and I met this young couple. Their names are Johnny and Linda Sharp, and right away, I knew that Johnny and Linda cared about me as a person. They cared about me so much, and they were investing in my life. They would come to my soccer games and watch me play for my high school. They would show up at my school plays and performances. They would invite me and all of my friends over to their house. So like on a Friday night when when a bunch of our acquaintances were off partying at someone else's house, we could say, eh, we can't come. We're all going to Johnny's. And we go over to Johnny's and his wife would be the coolest. She'd have like an ice cream buffet. And we would just hang out and play board games and mess around and talk about our lives and just get to know each other. And I knew that Johnny and Linda deeply cared about me. Sometimes Johnny would crack open the Bible and he'd teach us something from the Bible. Sometimes one of my high school friends would bring a guitar and we'd all suck at singing, but we'd sing um, songs together uh, as worship to God. We just hung out and we were doing life together. And I knew that they cared. And there's this old phrase, this old quote that says, people don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. And I knew that Johnny and Linda cared. And so when Linda sat me down as a teenager and said, you know what, I think, based on what I'm hearing, that you're kind of being a jerk to your mom. And you need to back off and show her a little bit more respect and honor. I could take it. I could take it because she had earned the right to say that in my life. Because she had influenced me by investing in me for the long haul. And and I could take it when Johnny said, hey, you're coming off kind of proud and arrogant lately. You've got to lose that chip on your shoulder. I thought, well, all right, Johnny. I know you love me. I know you care about me. I know you're not just trying to boss me, but, but you deserve the right to speak in my life because you've invested in me. You've made deposits into my life over the years that you get to, you get to say that kind of stuff. You asked me questions. You showed you cared. You did acts of service. You showed up in my life, and you listened to my story over the years. You bought me ice cream, man. I mean, he had invested in my life, and so therefore, he was allowed to have that influence. And we have to do that in the lives of others. If Johnny and Linda hadn't invested in me at 15 years old, I I don't know where I would be today. He was the first one that said, Jail, you you should try preaching. And you know what I said to him? I don't think I can preach. But he kept encouraging me and believing in me and investing in me. And eventually, I grew to believe in myself as much as Johnny and Linda believed in me. But each one of us is called similarly to lead. We're called similarly to influence others. And that all begins with investment. We automatically invest in our best friend relationships. Everybody, 
ask their best friend how they're doing, you hang out, you spend quality time, you lend them lunch money when they forget, you just, you just do. But we should be building influence in the lives, not just of our besties, but in people around us. Teammates, classmates, acquaintances, we should be trying to invest in them and communicate to them that they matter to God and they matter to us. Not so we can be more famous and popular, but so that Jesus can be more famous and popular. And when you invest in people, they're drawn to you. When you invest in someone, they're drawn to you. They want to hang out with you and they want to be with you. That investment gives you influence with them. But why do you want influence? It's the rest of my genius mathematical equation, right? It's investment equals influence equals leadership. If you're investing in someone, you will get influence. If you have influence, you can lead them. And where do you want to lead them? You want to lead them towards Christ. You want to lead them towards a relationship with Jesus. Now, you might think, well, that's kind of like a pastor's job, and that would be false. Every single person in this room is called to be a leader in the kingdom of God. In our grandparents' generation, there was this guy, and he was just a regular guy. He considered himself an introvert, but he did love Jesus. He didn't like talking. He was kind of shy, and he didn't think of himself as like a super powerhouse Christian kind of guy, just a regular guy. And in the course of doing his job, he was actually a shoe salesman in the olden days. He would go to the store, and like a person, an employee would bring you shoes. You'd try them on. They would actually tie them on your feet, my grandma said, and they, they would like take care of you while you decided on your shoes. So this particular guy was a shoe salesman, and, and over the course of a season, he sold shoes to some dude named Bill. And he kept putting the shoes on Bill, trying them on, talking to him, and he felt urged by God in his heart to continue to talk to Bill about his life, his family, what was going on, built this relationship, gathered influence with him. And one day, Bill came in to buy some shoes with them, and he felt that he had built enough relationship that he was compelled in his heart to talk about Jesus. Eventually, the friendship grew, and this shoe sales guy led Bill to a relationship with Jesus Christ that he hadn't had before. Turns out, Bill is actually Billy Graham. And Billy Graham, if you don't know, is the Christian influencer of your grandparents' generation. He would preach in stadiums and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people would be saved every time he did. But the shoe salesman only ever led and influenced one guy in his life to Christ, Billy Graham. And as a result of saying, you know what? I'm right here in my shoe store just doing my thing. I'm investing in this relationship. I'm gaining influence and I'm using that influence to lead someone to Jesus, to lead someone to just be curious and, and connect with God, he changed the world. A common shoe salesman that never even knew caused the destiny of, I don't even know how many people have been influenced by Billy Graham. He advised six separate presidents. He was the spiritual leader of our nation and your grandparents' generation, an amazing man of God. But if he hadn't stepped up and said, I'm gonna invest, none of this would have happened. Romans 12, nine says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. So as Christ followers, we want to lead people and influence people, not just be led by them. We want to lead. We want to shape what's going on in our culture. So when you invest, you can influence those around and you can lead them in three specific and critical ways. 
So as we're investing, as we're growing in influence, and then as we are going out and leading with that investment and that influence, one thing that we have to be careful about is the choices that we then make. Because now we have this leadership in our back pocket. Now we are showing people the way to Jesus, but we have to be careful with our choices. Because if there is one thing that people do not like, it is inauthenticity. It is a person that is saying one thing and then acting the complete other way that's coming to school and acting like they're this awesome Christian that loves Jesus so much and then doing every single sin in the book without even seeming to care, right? Our choices matter and they don't just impact ourselves, they impact those people that we have invested in that we now have influence in. As people who love Jesus, it is one of our callings in all of our lives to gain that influence in order to lead people to him, no matter who you are, no matter where you are coming from. And so we have to look at these choices of what we're making. We want to be authentic leaders. We want to invest. We want to have influence. And a big part of that is the choices and who you choose to surround yourselves with. Now, you can be friends with everybody in your school, and that is awesome. If you are liked by a lot of people, that's the more influence that you have. But what you really have to be careful with is who is in your inner most circle. Who is the closest person to you that you are telling everything to, every little secret that you are spending every single second of your day with your best friend, you have to really watch and pick and choose who you want those people to be. Now, I'm preaching more to myself now than I even am to you because when I was in high school, I did not listen to this lesson. I was surrounded by peers and people who did not love Jesus nearly as much as I do, and it wasn't me able to pull them up with me and saying, hey, you love Jesus just as much as I do, right? What ended up happening is they pulled me down with them. And as a consequence of my choices, I was making really bad choices. The people that were surrounding me were influencing me in such a negative way. And it was so hard to dig myself out of that. We have to be careful with who we surround ourselves with, with who our best friends are, because they have the most influence. It says this in 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be joined to unbelievers. So yes, you can be around them. Yes, you can be nice to them. Yes, you can be friends with them, but don't join yourself to them and that they are your closest, most, um, most close people. And then it says, what do right and wrong have in common? Can light and darkness be friends? So this verse is saying light and darkness can't coexist. Right and wrong have nothing in common. So we are called to be nice to these people, but we are also called to say, I have to keep you at arm's length because I cannot be pulled down by the choices that you are making. Our choices and morals do not align. And so I have this illustration um, that I'm going to do tonight, and this was the same illustration that I watched when I was your guys' age, and it has stuck with me to this day. Hello, fellas. It's like you knew your cue and everything. So this is Sean and Nick, and they tend to make things awkward. Um, if you've never seen them do that before, they are about to. So get ready for the cringe, okay? So here's what's going to happen. I'm just going to have both of you fellas go ahead and step up there on that chair. It's very small. You know that I'm big. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Big and tall. Go ahead and hop up there. Okay. There you go. You might have to cuddle up a little bit. There you go. Oh. There you go. Like I said, it's awkward. I'm barely on the if I stand right here, are you going to fall I'm, on me? I'm chair. I'm chair. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is what's happening right now. If we're using this illustration that Pastor JL taught me, 
we need a bean bag here maybe, okay? We're using the same illustration. What she said is, okay, if you and your best friend are very, very close and you both love Jesus equally, that means that you are joined together and you are both on the same level on this chair. Now, it's not as awkward as this is. It's actually a very beautiful thing. It's what the Bible talks about with Jonathan and David, all of these besties in the Bible. This is what we want right here is being on this chair with your best friend, you're equal, you're on the same page, you love Jesus, you go to church, you help each other make the right decisions that aren't high-fiving each other in this situation. That was the wrong decision, okay? So that's what this is. You're supporting each other in one another's faith. This is beautiful and this is healthy. But now, let's say that you have another relationship with another friend where it is not this way. In fact, that friend does not believe in Jesus at all. You guys are not on the same page. Well now, oh, okay, you're just laying all the way on the floor there. Okay, that's all right. Are they on the same level anymore? No, it's less awkward, but in fact, this is a way worse situation because now here's Sean way up here and there's Nick way down there. They're not on the same page. They're not on the same level anymore. Now you may say, okay, well that's fine, right? Because Sean can bring Nick up to him. They can get on the same level, right? If you really, really try, Sean, if you really, really want it, don't turn that way, please, for the love of God. Okay, keep trying. Come on, you have this, you're strong. Yeah, physically impossible. Okay, okay, that's a lot. Nick, you're kind of like dead weight right now if you could contribute somehow. Okay, is, is it working out? Not really, no, it's not. Okay, okay, so this isn't working out. So yes, we can influence the people around us who are not on the same level as us, but can you ever get them on the same level as you? Maybe, but it's so hard. It's backbreaking. It doesn't matter how much Sean cares. It doesn't matter how much he tries. It is nearly impossible to get Nick up on the same level as him. But if we were to switch it around and say, okay, well, how easy is it then for Nick to get Sean on his level? <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm so scared. Are you okay? Okay. That was way easier, right? With just one pull, Nick was able to pull Sean down off of his level, off of loving Jesus, off of knowing him and pursuing him, and down onto Nick's level down here. Let's give them a round of applause. Good job. Thank you, gentlemen. So this is where we have to be careful, students. This was the lesson that I had to learn the hard way over and over again. Yes, you can encourage your friends to love Jesus. Yes, you absolutely should. But when it comes to being the closest people around you, that inner, inner circle that spends hours and hours and hours with you, you can't pull them up to your level. And if you do, it is going to be extremely, extremely hard. And what happens nine times out of 10 is they end up pulling you down to their level. It says in 1 John 2.10, anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. This is the coexisting that we want to have with the people close to us. We don't want to make each other stumble. We don't want to turn out the light in our friends' lives. We want 
to have each other's backs when it comes to life, but also when it comes to following Jesus. And I've had so many friends and mentors in my life since high school that have turned my life around for me, that I have gotten on their same level, and as a result, they have been able to pour into me. They have been able to call me out and say, Madeline, you're acting like a brat, and you need to knock it off before you lose the people that are close to you. And I've had that conversation with them. And then another conversation that they said is, Madeline, you are spending no time with Jesus, and it's showing. You have to get it together. You have to go past just the surface level. These critical conversations that they have had with me have shaped me into the person that I am today. The closest people that we surround ourselves with have the most influence. They have the ability to call us out and make us better. However, if the person that is close to you is not on your same level, they should not have the same amount of influence, say, or impact in your life. The last way that we can lead with this influence in our lives or one of the final ways is we can lead by making our certain choices, by leading them in that way, but also leading in times of crisis. I think all of us can look at our lives and just recognize times where we have hit rock bottom. And those people that are close to you during those times are usually the people that help you make it through it. And these people are absolutely critical. And it is so important to have those people. But what's even more important is that you can then be there for them in return. Because as people who believe and follow in Jesus, you have the key to everything that those people in crisis need. You have the key to happiness, to joy, to meaning in all of this life. You have a key that unlocks all of their feelings, all of their desires that you can give to them. And that's called a relationship with Christ. When you are there in the day-to-day, just the everyday decision-making, the everyday normalcy, when that crisis hits at that point, you have built up influence. You have built up trust with those people, and they are then going to be, you are then going to be who they run to in times of crisis. And then that's your opportunity. When they're hurting, when they're doubtful, when they're full of fear, you can give them the answer to everything, and that is Jesus. The same person who you were saved by in crisis is the same person that you can teach them about. You can lead them through Jesus to finding their full potential. We have to recognize that when someone trusts us, that means that they are allowing us to have influence on them. And that is, a, that is such a gift that we have to take so seriously because that weight means that you are able to point them to the truth that they need through the word. I want you to imagine in your mind just the face of one person you know that you haven't been investing in, that you maybe have a little bit of influence with. And I want to challenge you to picture them for just a second and decide, do you want to start leading them? Do you want to start pointing them towards Christ, leading them in the direction of God? And if you do, it's simple. Start talking about God to them a little bit. Start saying, hey, you want to come to 46 with me? Hey, is there anything I can pray with you about? You seem super stressed out right now. Just take a couple little steps to go from they're a friend, they've even been investing in, you have a little influence. Now take that final step and say, I'm going to lead that person towards Christ. I'm going to encourage them to get to Christ. And guys, that, that can change someone's life. Almost every person in this room came to church because either this church or the church they went to for the first time 
because someone invited them, because someone led them. And that's our call. That's our destiny. We're not shoe salesmen. We're not just volleyball players. We're not just students. We're not just kids. We're not just computer geeks. We're not just something. We are all called to step into a calling of leading in the kingdom of God. And that begins with investing, building influence, and eventually leading people towards Christ. Let's pray together. God, you're awesome. We know that you could have decided to grow your kingdom and and build things just by sending a bunch of angels to tell everyone about Jesus. You could have like shouted it down from heaven and the whole planet would be forced to listen. But instead of doing that, you said you're gonna involve us, regular people, in leading others. We get to be a part of your sacred work on this planet. And so God, we ask that you would give us influence with the right people, with the people that are on your heart, and that we would have the guts and the courage to lead them, to take that very next step, whatever that next small step is for them towards you. Help us to step up and do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.